This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW's Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in the studio by Evan Grant, who apparently has died on Aren't we going to talk about the Super Bowl? We just introduced ourselves. Can you give me a second? Yeah, but I mean, I'm just getting prepared for the beating that's going to be Super Bowl talk. You didn't love that Super Bowl? There was nothing about that Super Bowl I loved. No. There was nothing about that Super Bowl to love. Although I did hear from some people who thought it was a great defensive matchup. Oh, that's such bull. You know, I will say this. You know, and you don't get that as they call it the the full twenty two. You can't always tell when the when a quarterback drops back. When Jared Goff drops back, what is he looking at? And only a couple of times do they do that. And then and you would see that the DBs were right on top of every one of his receivers. But I will also say this. You know, the amazing thing about what the Patriots do uh, and what Bill Belichick does is that on offense, you know. You've got no wide no wideouts. You know, you've got a, a, a great slot receiver. You've got a fading, a great but fading tight end who, who may who may retire you know any day now. I, and you've got a pretty good offensive line. Let me and then you've got running backs. Again, Sonny listen, Michelle is a is a nice running back. Listen, all agreed. But on Gronkowski, I still feel like and he very well may retire. Oh, he's still really good. Um, but he's he's a game-changing tight end. Oh, I mean, he is. There's I mean, no question about that. You throw in the there's ball. There's Gronk and Kelsey. and Yeah, yeah. Th- th- I agree. And he's still really good. But the thing is, is that what if that team had, you know, Antonio Brown? Because that's the big fear, that the St- and that's why the Steelers won't trade him to New England, right. because they know that if we do that, we'll never beat the Patriots then. You know, it is, a, it is amazing what Bill Belichick has done. Uh, and what he can figure out and what he can do and make Sean McVay look so bad. This is a guy who just looked like a genius, certainly against the Cowboys, right? He he, he brings out that, that offense where, you know, we're not going to throw it. We're going to run it. Why, why, why are you – you're just leaving that one. Well, I know. I threw that one up there. In the, uh, but here was the thing, you know, your man, Todd Gurley, how many carries did he have in that game? 11. 11 carries, and, 11. He, was, and he was fine. You know, the best running back in the game, and – Nah, we're not. We're we're gonna. Well, I mean, that there was question about whether or not the knee was hurting him. He said he was fine. I know. And and after the game, he said he was fine. Yeah. So uh, he didn't complain about anything. But you know, that wasn't that was another thing. I, yeah, you're not running the ball great, but this is your identity is running the ball. Mm-hmm. I, you know, when the Cowboys played the Rams, and and that's the first thing I thought was if, if they'd had to put this game in the hands of Jared Goff, the Rams would have lost. He's just not. He's just not that impressive to me. He'll make some nice throws every once in a while. but there were, And I don't know how much of this, again, you, you go back and you talk about angles and everything, and when you're 
you're watching on TV, particularly the Super Bowl, because they got so many cameras and they seem to be intent on using all of the ones except to actually show you what's taking yeah. place on the field. Right. Um, I, I, there were so many throws that Goff made that I thought just really hung up there a long time, and I could not tell if he Absolutely. if it was because he was pressured, if he was being hit when he threw, and I, his receiver. There were there were some situations. I'm not going to say they had a great deal of separation, but there were some situations where his his receivers had to wait on balls. Yeah, you know, and and some of that is. Uh... You know, I've watched him since he was in college because, you know, he played Texas. And when he played Texas and he brought them back at Cal and, and beat Texas in Austin, a really great effort there at the end. And I thought, you know, this I really like this kid. He's really got something. But he, even then, he doesn't throw a great ball. You know, a lot of the times that you watch that ball's wobbling. You know, Brandon Cooks is in the back of the end zone waiting for that ball to get there, just what you said. Took too long to recognize that, A. And B, that ball's wobbling all the way there, and 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 Cooks, I mean, Cooks just, had to wait, and wait, wait, and wait, wait and wait. Yeah, I, I will say this. I'm I'm, I'm going to say this. My my takeaway from this season is that Kevin Sherrington, I can't believe I'm about to say this. You, and maybe it's because you did have a great quarterback in your family, and Jake. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, you recognize quarterbacks pretty well, I think. You know, it's just not that hard to. No, I think you really do. I mean, you you I you were way out ahead on Mahomes before before yeah. the season ever began. Thank you for that. Um, and uh, you know, I I don't watch football with the same uh, intense eye that I think a lot of fans do. I I just tend to follow the ball a little bit. Yeah, I do um, too. But what was really evident in in. Um, in pressure situations was, again, the thing that you, you talked about last week that I made fun of, but how quickly Brady delivers the ball, how quickly he gets mm -hmm. it out, and when there doesn't seem to be much of, of, of an opening whatsoever, uh, he does really still get it out quick, which, you know, again, rem makes me feel like if he wants to at 42 next year, he could still be a championship caliber quarterback he doesn't take that many hits you know because he gets it out fast that's that's all the deal you know is that uh it, it, any quarterback look you can line up any quarterback who's in the nfl right now and if you give him time he's gonna be pretty good right he's gonna be at least pretty good you know and that is the key and that was the situation with dak when he when he came out as a rookie right. cowboys did a great job of protecting him and they ran a pretty simple vanilla offense and he didn't get sacked a lot and everything went great. And you know, but the other thing on on, on Brady that I think also helps him is on, on scheme wise, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but you know, when you are throwing those quick slants to a slot receiver, and mm -hmm. when you're throwing something that like that screen to Gronkowski, where he's just releasing after a a, a pass block, those are all quick developing plays. Sure. You know, if you're having to wait for a guy to run a deep post. The chances of you getting hit are are greater, I think, Absolutely. because of the chances of pressure finally getting to you are are greater, and so it's another one of those situations where this coach and and look, let's face facts, you can you can hate him all you want, but he is the greatest football coach, ever. the greatest NFL football coach probably ever. Um, I don't think there's any probably to that. You think about the fact that now Tom Brady has won more Super Bowls than the Cowboys have, right? One, oh yeah, I mean, one I, quarterback has won more Super Bowls than the Cowboys have. You know, and I almost tweeted this the other night too, and I just didn't want to piss off Cowboy we, fans because I or, or Skip Bayless. He, I have no problem with that. <laughs> yeah. We can get into that in a minute, but uh, I I almost tweeted this the other night. That, you know, the Cowboy fans like to hang their hat on the on, on the nineties 
dynasty. Right. That that's a cute little run compared it was, to it was the about Patriots. four years. Yeah. You know, years. I mean, we're talking about fifteen years here. Uh, yeah. This and, and in this era, you know, in the era of the cap, where you can't just load up and you got all the best players and you keep them because that's the deal. He doesn't have all the best right. players, and and that's what makes it even more remarkable. What I was talking about just a minute ago. They don't have a deep threat. You know, we talk about making the Cowboys Dak friendly, right? And so they go out and get Amari Cooper. I'm going to tell you something. Amari Cooper is great. I think he is great. I did not see him play that much when he was playing for the Raiders. Well, and he was also playing with an inferior team. Yeah. But he changed um, He changed the playing field for this team this oh, year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he, and, 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 you know, that's not – and, and when we say these things to me – uh, you know, I used to get this when I was first writing a column, uh, which has been 18 years, 19 years now. I thought uh, you were going to say the 1800s. No, well, it seemed like that. Uh, and and people would say, you're no Blackie Sherrod. And I would say, write back to them and say, you're, you're, you're damn right I'm not. <laughs> you know, it's like that's like saying you're no Babe Ruth. Right. You know, and that's what the deals with Bill Belichick. He is the greatest coach, head coach ever. There's, I, there's never been anybody like him. And I'm going to tell you my my feeling on this because I you get this question over the course of the week. Oh well, who who do you want to see win? Who do you want to see win? Um, and I'm usually an underdog kind of guy, but this Patriots run is so impressive, and and to just admire uh, what they have accomplished. I didn't have a problem with either team winning. I mean, it would have been nice to see sure. the Rams win yeah. and and all of that, but for for the Patriots to win again and continue to cap this this incredible um greatest era in the history of the NFL for any single team, uh, I had zero issue with it. I just sat back in admiration. I mean, you can hate the Patriots like like most fans in the AFC do, and I I get that, but I'm just saying that from from a uh, disconnected fan from this game, I, I just sat back and I, I said, you know, again, just appreciate what we're seeing. We're seeing the greatest the greatest football team in history. That's what I don't understand about uh, fans in the media too. And and uh, the well, whole, it's all emotional. Well, but it's that whole idea of oh, I'm just tired of seeing the same teams or whatever. And it's like that's all bull. Look. When the Florida Marlins won two World Series, did anybody care? Not even the people in Florida cared. You know, it, it, when people say they want to see somebody else win it, they don't mean that. They want to, they want their team to win it, and they don't want the Patriots to win it. Right. And that and that's all it is. Well, and that's what I got. You know, from a lot of people to carry this into the baseball. When I wrote my Michael Young column about why I voted for him the Hall of Fame, I got a lot of a lot of feedback from people about, well, why didn't you vote for Roland, or why didn't you vote for this guy, or why didn't you vote for that guy? And then I'd look at their Twitter bios, and invariably these people all lived in cities where right. these players had made most of their career. Right. So it's it's a fans are an an integral part of the game, and and. I get the emotion. I get all of that. I'm just saying that from my perspective, watching what took place and what has taken place with the Patriots is I, I, I just sit back in awe with respect for what has been the greatest run in NFL history. I think so, too. You know, and, and that's a, and the, the issue for me is, is that you should want these teams to make it. If you were going to the Super Bowl and you really want to make a statement, do you want to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, or do you want to beat the Titans? Right. I mean, to, to me, it's it's like saying, you know, Eli Manning. Or in, if you're the Falcons, do you want to blow a 25-point lead? Or, or the that, Patriots you know, the that, that's right. You know, if you're Eli, Eli, you can say what you want about Eli. He beat Tom Brady twice in the Super Bowl. He can right. take that one to his grave. He may put that on his headstone. You know, uh, that's pretty cool. 
be able to be able to say that. And and that's how you measure yourself. You measure yourself about who did I beat to get here? I beat one of the greatest teams ever. This is epic. I, I, I it, you know what's funny is is fans want to like live for the parade, and if you've ever been to a championship parade, usually they're pretty much a beating. Yeah, it's pretty lame. It's the game. You want the game, and it should be a great game, and it should be against a great opponent, and it should come down to it should be difficult. It shouldn't be a walk. It, all of that because that brings every ounce of energy out of you. Um, and, and so I don't get that. I, I don't get that element of oh, I just like this to be easy, or I, I just like to see this team lose, or or yeah, let's 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 see, uh, let's hope the Rams play, you know, a, a inferior team in the Super Bowl. I, I I get all of that in that you want to see your team champion, but for me, it's still about the pursuit. Yeah, and it's a little bit of karma here too. Really, do you really want that? Does the NFL really want the Rams winning the Super Bowl? After what happened in in New Orleans, does does he? Well, I, I would say this: you can, you know, it depends on how far back you want to revisionize, re, revisionize, re, revise your history. <laughs> um, I started to say how much revision <laughs> revisionist history. I, I can't win with words. Let's go ahead. Words are not my strong suit. No, um, but you asked me: does the NFL want the Rams to win? I'd say they do want the Rams to be a perennial power based on that stadium that they're that's taken fifteen yeah. years to build in LA. Um but that'd have been a little embarrassing. If you if you go back to the week before and what was obviously a really badly blown call, do you want to see the but it's not the Rams' fault that the officials stunk. No, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that this is a little bit of karma here that they go back and then you know because really you look at it. You know, we we want to really christen the Rams as doing something because they really have done something. They come out of nowhere in just a couple of years with Sean McVay. It's really an amazing turnaround, and he is very bright and and and, uh, and he's better than bright. He's he's really good. But you know, for all the talk about how they just romped and stomped the Cowboys, they beat them by eight points. You know, if you don't get what I thought was a little bit of a bogus call against Byron Jones, you know, and they go down and score a touchdown right after that, then then maybe maybe the game's different. They go and they should have lost to the Saints, and then they go in and then they and then they just kind of more or less get you know they didn't get and then it's another thing and they didn't get stomped by the Patriots, but they just didn't mount much of a uh, of a of yeah. An but I, I think this was the first Patriots Super Bowl that was more than a one score outcome. <laughs> oh, is that right? I think so. You know, I saw that stat too, where they had never scored in the first quarter of a Super Bowl. That's amazing. That is amazing. It's like how, how is that possible? It's just amazing. Well, they just you know, and what that speaks to is that you know uh, you give. You give Bel- Belichick two weeks, and you're just almost screwed. Yeah, I, I, it, it takes it takes miracles to beat them. You know, it, it just and that's what Eli did. You know, in the games, and they had a couple of miracle plays, and and uh, you know they made 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 stuff happen. There was just there was not really the Manningham catch was yeah. You know, you, you look at the uh, the in this game, there was never really a point where you thought, well, here they come, here come the Rams right here. No, you know, there was just although Skip did. Did Skips think that? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know why I got onto his timeline <laughs> at some point in time, but I did. Because uh, you got on this, you started it when they said, "What would what would, would this tarnish oh, so, Brady's legacy so you, if he lost the like Super Bowl?" Like on Friday, you know, because undisputed <laughs> is. Listen, we want listeners, but not even us. We would not be so desperate as to say. 
hey, tune in because we're going to talk about how Brady's legacy would be tarnished. We're talking about the greatest quarterback in the NFL. He's won five Super Bowls. Uh, and, and Skip says, would Skip tweets, tune in next to find out if this if if he if Brady loses this Super Bowl would tarnish his legacy. And I'm like, enough. Yeah, that's enough. That's just so crazy to say stuff like that. Uh, you know, it, it's not going to tarnish his <laughs> legacy any more than Skip has tarnished his with this. Yeah, joke of a TV get, show and his bombastic arguments. And I also want to say that they're insipid most of the time. Wow, insipid. That's a good word. He's making five million a year. Yeah, yeah. As my mother-in-law would say, whenever we would say something about somebody, and she'd says, "Well, he's making a lot of money." Yeah, yeah. There's a you know one of my all of my humor goes back to '60s Jewish vaudeville type stuff. <laughs> And there's a uh, <laughs> hold on a minute. There was no vaudeville in the sixties. Well, there there was kind of a there was this album that was released that was kind of a uh, 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 you know you remember the movie Mighty Wind where they had oh, sure. the the reunion of all the folk singers. There was right. something like this. It was called You Don't Have to Be Jewish. And on there, there was this big deal about there was this uh, there was this little piece called a quickie. And a little boy comes in. And I remember this was released in the in the sixties, right? Yeah. Little boy comes in, runs into his room. He says. Mama, mama, isn't it great? McDermott and Schmidt went around the moon, run around the world thirty-five times in their space capsule. And the mother goes, "Big deal. If you got money, you can travel." <laughs> this is where my humor comes from, which explains why it just falls so flat. It does. Yeah. Okay. But I would have been huge in the sixties. Yeah, you would have been in the Catskills. <laughs> you would have been great in the Catskills. I would like. I mean. Oh my gosh. What's her name? What was? Who was the woman that was in Dirty Dancing? Yeah, I, I knew you were going. Jennifer Grey. Jennifer Grey. She would have been like had the time of her life. That is with me. that is the worst show I've ever seen. Debbie loves that show and that's that final scene where she's standing up there on the stage swishing her skirts back and forth while he's you know, Patrick Swayze dancing down the aisle towards her. I almost threw up in that whole thing and, and Debbie just she hates me because I because I uh, I hate that so much. That's such a terrible, terrible, terrible movie. All right. So what do you think <laughs> the Super Bowl says about the Cowboys, Kevin? What I think it says about the Cowboys, you know, here's the thing. Just what we're talking about the Rams. Now, what does the week say about the Cowboys? I mean, with the Kellen Moore, Kitna, Kellen Moore, Kitna, All that Kellen Moore is going to be the offensive coordinator. Before we get before we get to that part, I want to say this about the quarterback because this was when I'm watching that game. Right, clearly Jared Goff is not going to beat you with his feet, right? Correct. You know, he likes to get out of the pocket a little bit, and that's all good. But he's not running anywhere. You know. No. He's not, he did it once and got plowed uh, in that game. So uh, I'm thinking. See, to me, and I hate to sound like a you know a, a Jason Garrett apologist here, but to me or, or Dak Prescott apologist, this is where a guy like Dak Prescott can help you out here. It's unpredictable. That's what you have to have against a guy like Bill Belichick. You have to have unpredictability but I think we've said and I I think all year I think for two years I've said I feel like Dak is far more effective when he does get outside the pocket and doesn't necessarily throw any better but the, 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 there's, there's simply the threat of the run there is a threat of the run and I you know I thought well going to colleges I thought when Ellinger did get out of the pocket he was actually a better thrower and a more accurate thrower Probably than he was is. in the pocket I would say that Dak is at least as accurate when he's on the move as probably as, as, as when he uh, is in the pocket. I don't know. Again, I don't know the inner workings of the Cowboys. I don't know that any of us really do, but I don't. I, I don't know how much of it is Dak's reluctance to do that, and how much of it is 
the Cowboys' lack of encouraging him to do that because I really think it's an asset for them. I, I, I think, you know, you know, everybody wants to say, oh, why can't the Cowboys go out and then hire this really whiz-bang offense, you know, and put it in and a young guy. And, and it's like, and I had somebody, even, I think David Moore said to me, aren't you the guy who said they should hire Cliff Kingsbury? I said, yeah, as the quarterback coach, not as the offensive coordinator. You, that's not going to work with Dak to try to do those kinds of things, you know. What they need to do is just simply incorporate more things that are tailored more to him. If this is going to be built around him, then then play it more like he did in college at Mississippi State. Give him that kind of offense. You know, I loved it when they got down on the goal line. Uh, or maybe it wasn't the goal line. I'm trying to remember where it was. And they, and they simply ran the option to Zeke. Now, look, I know why you don't want to do that all the time. That defensive end gets a free shot at, it, at the quarterback if he wants to take it. But I also know this, that in pro football, you want to watch somebody defend the option poorly – Oh, my gosh. Those right. guys look lost. A right. couple of times that happened to Demarcus Lawrence this year. And using it judiciously, it does become another weapon. It does know? become I a mean, weapon. I mean, just the, th- the threat of it becomes a weapon. Absolutely. And those are the kinds of things that the Cowboys, to me, that's what's innovative. That was what was innovative about what Sean McVay did against the Cowboys right. was that all he's doing is running the ball. Yeah, but they weren't expecting that. And that's what you do. And they ran, they ran a different type of runner a lot. You know, in, they did in CJ Anderson. They did two different two different kinds of runners here, no question. Both very powerful, but but still two different kinds of runners. So you know that's to me that's what the the Cowboys just aren't that far off. I don't believe I picked them to go to eleven and five last year. They went ten and six. I, I thought that this I don't was think a, you can look at the NFC right now and say the Cowboys are far off, but I think you could say. You could probably say that about half the teams in the oh, NFC. Oh, I, I think that's true. So. I, I think that, that there, there's yes, that's my my point is not where they are in the pack. The point is that whoever is leading is not that far. The, the Rams just aren't that far in front of them, you know. Uh, and I and I and I don't want to, as I keep saying, I don't want to sound like an apologist, but you know, when the Cowboys made the trade for Mari Cooper and gave up the first round pick, oh, they were just pilloried for that nationally. You can't give up a number one pick. The Rams gave up a number one pick for Brandon Cooks who is a midget, you know. And Amari Cooper is about twice as big as Brandon Cooks. Well, Brandon Cooks is slightly built. (laughs) He is very small. He is a very small young man. Had that been Amari Cooper in the back. I don't think we want to quite go midget (laughs) status. You don't say that? that. (laughs) All right, maybe I shouldn't say that. All right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I offended anybody with that. Uh, But he's not not a little people. but that, that's that's my point. It, right. it, it seems like that that everybody wants to to look at the Cowboys under a different lens. That includes the fans in this market. You know, well, I think that goes with twenty five years of not being to an NFC well, champion. Absolutely, I'm, and I'm not apologizing for that either. That is that's ridiculous right. that they have it's been taking them so long to do that. But the point is, is that. Man, you look at the, at the job that Will McClay has done and the fact that they're letting him run the draft room and the guys that he's drafting now. And it used to be, now for a while there, he would just kind of get in the guy with the first pick. You know, and then after that, it's a little little iffy. And now, But now he's, the, the, his picks that are in the later rounds, those guys are starting to stick too. And that's when you really got something going, when you're getting an immediate starter with that first-round pick and then the guys behind that, you know, got Michael Gallup in the third round. He looks pretty good now, you know, uh, and and they've been able to, to to do that kind of thing. And if he keeps doing that, there there's a lot more talent on this team now, and they've got room on their salary cap. I will be really interested to see what this team does uh, in the off season if they decide just to spend the money on their own guys and tie up and extend some of these contracts that they don't really have to extend yet. They don't have to extend Zeke. They don't have to extend right. Dak. You know, uh, if I if it were up to me. 
uh, I'd be hesitant to, to extend either one of those. To me, number one is Demarcus Lawrence. You got to get him signed up, uh, and you know, and then and then number two is Amari Cooper. I don't want to give Amari Cooper any ideas that if he goes through another season because he signed this next year for thirteen million, that that you know what, maybe I should go someplace else where a guy can really hit me all the time. Right. You know, I don't want to give him any ideas. Now he has said, and I saw this quote. I don't know who he gave it to, but he said, "I don't want to play for Tom Brady. I want to beat Tom Brady. I want to play." Quarter, Ooh, know. that just kind of speaks to your soul right there. There you go. Yeah, you should to a Cowboys fan, right. uh, and that, uh, and I want Dak Prescott to be my quarterback. And I don't think that's the other thing that we need to to look back on. We 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 hadn't really talked about this. You know, we you, did you see the stories this week about uh, Carson Wentz and uh, the and the comments about you know that there was a didn't a, sound like he was terribly beloved in their locker room. Yeah, the Philly uh, the Philly Voice is that what it is that publication? I think it's a local and it's obviously local, but I mean it's a uh, kind of like underground newspaper there. Goes and talks to several players, and the, apparently several players said things he was, aren't going real good for the above ground <laughs> either. Yeah, I, I can't imagine how they're going for the underground yeah. newspapers. So say that you know he was uh, selfish and egotistical and all that kind of stuff. But well, I thought he had a uh, uh, Carson had a sit down with uh, several members of the media the other day, in which he said a lot of really good things. He said, you know what, that's certainly possible. I'm not going to say that that's not out of the question. You know. Really big of him, I thought, to to say that probably some things I need to work on here, and because uh, some players came out and defended him, and he's a and he's a world class talent, you know. There's no question about all of that. But here's the thing: uh, you ever heard anything like that from Cowboys locker room? No, I, I think that there has never been a question of believability in Dak. Yeah, um, the, the players believe in him more than the fans do. I'm telling oh, yeah. you right now. Yeah, they love him. Those guys love Dak Prescott. They've loved him since day one, pretty much. And as was pointed out to me by somebody uh, kind of who has a lot of inside information there, when Tony Romo was still on the team, still trying to come back, and Dak had started and things were starting to transition here, and it began to feel like, whoa, what are, they, what are the Cowboys going to do here when, when Tony's healthy? Are they really going to take it away from this kid who's winning all these games? Um, when that happened, you didn't hear a peep out of that locker room. You didn't hear one player say, hey, this is Tony's team. Tony needs to come back. You know, for all the love of Tony, uh, certainly now, he's much, you know, talking about revisionist history, much more beloved now as a broadcaster than he was as a quarterback. I'm not saying that the, his teammates didn't like him. Right. I'm saying his teammates didn't love him. And, um, and, and I think that, you know, when you have a, a quarterback that his teammates are willing to follow and believe in him, you know, like that stuff, when he goes down there uh, against Seattle and takes that somersault and lands on his head and gets up and he's and he's screaming and, and pumping his uh, fist, that sends those guys to the moon. You know, and, and, you know, we can say all we want to, ah, it's not really an emotional game, but it is an emotional game. And when you've got a guy who can do that, these are the things I've said all along. Look, I'm the first to say, you watch him throw, and it's like, oh, my gosh, you know. He's not he's not hitting this window. He's not doing these things right. He's uh, he's got flaws. He's you know he's there was a reason he was a fourth round draft pick. Absolutely. He's he's got some flaws. Um, I don't think he's the reason that the Cowboys haven't been to an NFC Championship since he got here. I don't think so either. Uh, there have been there have been other reasons. I think you can win with Dak Prescott. Um, are there? Uh, are there some times when he delivers a ball that I, I don't think is very accurate? Yes. 
and it's something that's got to that, that that's got to improve because in championship situations in big game situations you cannot afford to be throwing a foot behind your receiver no. you you've got to hit the target where he's intended to be hit there there are two things that need to happen here uh for for Dak and this is what leads us back to uh, the fact that that it's finally been announced that Kellen Moore is going to be the offensive coordinator yeah, so I, I it, apparently he's going to call plays and just, although that's not even for for sure at this point. And yeah, John I'm, Kitna, not, I'm, I'm not sure about that. Like I'm from what I've read, I, I'm not sure. I it was indicated that he would call plays, but has that been back? No, Jason Garrett said more or less like it's like probably going to call plays, which is just a crazy thing to say. Either he's either say he's going to call it, him or commit not. to it or not. Yeah, right. I mean, just the whole thing, the way they handled it was poor. I, I don't understand it. I don't understand what's what's the use of of Jason not speaking, you know, at the Pro Bowl, not talking to the media. You know, it's just make a decision and go with it. You know, it, it speaks to me the the problems that Jason Garrett has in just committing to something, saying this is what we're going to do. Do you think that Jimmy Johnson would have sat around for a week and not talked to the media and, oh, what are we going to do? Let's talk I mean, about listen, it. Let's, let's face facts. In the grand scheme no. of things, not talking to the media – is not the greatest crime on the on the no on no the but but it, it means that you don't you don't want to have to say something but that's my point here is when you do stuff like that first of all the media is going to point out that you didn't talk right and then fans can take from that what they will and can players which is the message to me that comes across is own something if you believe in it own it just step up yeah. and own it absolutely there's nothing wrong with that. You you have confidence in yourself. Say what you believe. You know, there's a way to say stuff without throwing anybody under the bus. But step up there and own it. Yeah. And I, I don't – I I think there's too many coaches, too many teams, too many officials that all are a little bit afraid of just saying, you know what, I'm going to take responsibility here. They all want accountability on their team. Right. But they're afraid to, take, to step up in front of a microphone and take it for themselves and their organization – and and simply say, look, this is what I believe. Now, you can disagree with me all you want, but this is what I believe in and, and what I strongly believe in. I think I, I think that human element would only make a coach more believable. Well, sure. So so we have the, the two developments in, on the staff that now Kellen Moore is the offensive coordinator who will probably call the plays. I don't know who else would unless it was Garrett. And number two, that John Kitna is now the quarterback's coach. So when you had said something about Dak, the two things, and Dak talked about this too uh, uh, recently when he said was asked about Kitna and that Kitna could help him with his footwork. The two things that, to me that have to happen with Dak are, yes, get your get your fundamentals down and get your footwork right, and then maybe we can see more accuracy in your throws, number one. But really bigger than that, he's just got to recognize things faster. You know, he's got to get back there and know that when the safety's here – I'm going this direction, you know. That's just, and that's what we talk about with Tom Brady. You get back there, you make your, you make your call, you make your throw, boom, and you're and you're not. I don't think it's a case of him waiting for guys to get open. I think it's merely a case of I'm little fuzzy on what I'm seeing here, and I don't want to, and I don't want to throw an interception. And he doesn't do that, you know. Uh, he, he his his touchdown to interception ratio is still very good. He's just a little slow in recognizing that's what's that's what's causing the hits. Right. You know, he's, he's taking more hits because of that, and then he's fumbling sometimes because of that. So these are to me the two things they need to work on. All right, but here them. I want to just simplify this. Yeah, and that is: does the hierarchy of Kellen Moore 
maybe calling the plays or maybe not calling the plays. Or yeah. Possibly they do a, a headline, uh, a play rodeo where everybody just suggests a play. play and rodeo. One. I like that. Um, uh, and John Kitna being the quarterback's coach. What are these hires? Do they do anything for you? Oh, you know, I don't know. You know, everybody, you know, Mike uh, Fisher wrote this in a tweet, and he says, you don't know, uh, he's talking about fans, you don't know how good a coach, he says, and I don't know how good a coach Kellen Moore is going to be. You know, everybody wants you to, everybody's hiring the young coaches, right? Well, here's a young coach. You know, it's it's just like when the, the, the Rangers hired John Daniels. Everybody was hiring young GMs. Right. The Rangers hired John Daniels. Who knew how good John John Daniels was going to be? And at first, it didn't look so good. You know, and then all of a sudden, they're going to the World Series. So just because he has no experience doesn't mean he's not going to be any good. You know, so it's, it's ridiculous to automatically dismiss him and say, oh, and what did he do for, for Dak as a quarterback's coach? Well, I don't know what he was allowed to do. I can remember one time talking to Wade Wilson, God bless him, the late Wade Wilson who, who died recently, and, and uh, who was a really good quarterback in the NFL for a long time, and he was the Cowboys quarterback coach. He had been uh, a backup quarterback before that to Troy Aikman. And we were talking about Quincy Carter, and he was talking about how, you know, his first year, we, I really wanted to work with him on how he was holding the ball. Now, we're talking about a quarterback here. How he's holding the ball. He said, I just didn't want to give him too much to do his first season. Now, how about that? As I've written about Quincy, you know, you know, a lot of guys throw a tight spiral. A lot of guys don't. Quincy looks like he's throwing a, a large brown rodent. I mean, that ball's coming out of his hand, and it's doing all kinds of things. So, so th- this is what we're talking about here. Some, sometimes people want to – you know how that is in, in baseball – People want to say, "Oh, wow, wow the hitting goes well. You got to fire him." These guys get, get hit. Coaches get too much blame, too much credit. Absolutely. No doubt, no question about it. No doubt. I, uh, but I, you know, so I don't. The point is, is I don't know what these guys are going to do. Right. I would say this: that John Kitna was a professional quarterback and a pretty good one. Kellen Moore was a professional quarterback, not so good. And I, and and but Dak likes him. I'll say that he thinks he's very bright. Maybe John Kitna can do some things for him uh, by telling him some things. You know, just one thing. Two things. When you're doing this, make sure you get your feet here. You know, be thinking about that. You know, uh, it, it could be something very simple that he helps him with. I don't know. We'll see about all that. But I want to say one other thing that uh, a probably bigger development than either one of these things was the fact in this offseason so far is that Jerry Jones did not extend Jason Garrett's contract. Yeah, that's significant. There's he, no doubt. He is signed through this year, and that is it. I think that says everything about what Jerry Jones thinks about uh, Jason Garrett's prospects. All right, so what does it say? What's the headline on your column that you're writing about the significance of not extending Jason Garrett? There's two things in Jerry's mind. One, he sees, looks back, um, I can't remember what year it was off the top of my head. Uh, When Jason is backed into a corner, he invariably does better than he does otherwise. It makes him take more chances, for one thing. He, you know, he's running it on fourth down. He's, he's, he, he's calling a little bit more uh, in, innovative plays. He's doing different things. Right. I he think basically he, had to be shamed into going for it on fourth down. Yes. And so I think he, I think he thinks, look, Jason, I'm putting you in, you know, this is the deal right now. You're going to, this is going to be your year to really put it together. And I'll give you a big fat contract and pay you eight or $9 million a year. If you get to the NFC championship game and, and who knows what happens after that. But you're going to have to do it. 
and, and I, I, and I don't have one what if, the, what if this team makes the playoffs but doesn't get to the championship Same thing? game again? One and out, something like that. Yeah, you know, it depends on the circumstances. Everybody wants to say, oh, that you do this automatically. Look, let's let's say they lose Dak and, and you know, it's Cooper Rush right. that takes them to and they win a game and get to the divisional round. Well, that's different, you know. Then you don't fire him necessarily because he got there with a backup quarterback, although the Eagles won a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. So I think there, there are mitigating circumstances possibly, but – I say, yeah, I think I think getting there to the divisional round and, and, and get and let's say they let's say it's kind of the same uh, season this one was. I'd, I'd say probably I, his chances are not good of coming back. I'm not going to say he, he won't. I'd say it's not good. I say the other thing it says to me again, it also, you know, using this year as as kind of uh, your measuring stick, if it if things go like they did this year, you know, you start out slow and then you finish hot, then all of a sudden. Does Jerry say, "Well, we're right on the cusp again"? You know? Well, that's what everybody's talked about. Yeah, if he if he flipped the season and they started out hot and then got cold, well, how would that have gone over? You know, not as well. Uh, so yeah, Jerry is a creature uh, of the moment, and uh, he's impulsive, uh, and so I, I could I could certainly see that happening. I just think he feels like, look, this is a pretty good team. You know, at some point, Jerry's going to say, "You know what? I'm responsible." Will McClay is really, but I'm, I got the final say on the personnel on this team. I've given you enough players. I've given you everything you wanted, and you're still not winning, you know. Right. And so I, I'm going to have to make a change here, and I, and I think he should make a change, frankly. That was my point. Our good buddy Brad Sham, as he accosted me in the, the locker room uh, during the playoffs, maybe accosted is a little strong, uh, and said, you've been trying to get Jason fired all year. And I said, no, I haven't. He goes, yes, you have. I read everything you, you write, and you, you've been trying to get him fired all year. And I said, no, I haven't. I said, if they, they should get to the playoffs. If they don't get to the playoffs, he should be fired. And it's, it's funny because I, Brad, uh, I went to Temple, like, for the first time in God knows how long. Wow. On Friday night with my lovely wife. And yeah. Brad greeted us at the Temple. Yeah, he's a greeter. And he didn't, he didn't mention anything about me trying to get anybody fired. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> So anyway, uh, maybe you should just have your conversations with Brad at Temple. At Temple, that may be nicer. Yeah, it probably would it was, be. It was. It, I, I tell you what, it was a very nice greeting. Temple Emmanuel. Temple Emmanuel. Yeah, it was, I, that's been described to me as basically a Methodist church. It was a very nice service for somebody who has <laughs> avoided religion <laughs> like the plague. But oh, stop it! When you're trying to sell a house in this market, oh, let me let me tell you. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's get on out of here because we got to discuss what everybody's talking about, which is Ranger Spring Training. Yeah, got a lot of that talk. All right, so uh, for everybody in here, to everybody out there, thank you. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Until next time, sports fans. We'll see you.